Um, we're going to start with a question that we're going to ask ourselves, and um, please, I will encourage that we make it very interactive. See, when we share knowledge with one another, we gain a lot of experience, and you know, we are, we'll be impacted, and we'll go home better than we came. So the opening question says that, have you had an experience, or you know someone who had an experience of a significant change, and how did it go? that you know anyone, or you went through a particular change. It could be any change of any type. It could be change of job, change of location, change of, you know, um, fiancé, anything. So what experience do you have? How did it go? What are the things that you, you experienced? What are the things that you saw? By the absolute grace of God, I, um, in the course of the work I do, I've, I've moved from location to location a couple of times or fairly a number of times. And I know what it takes to change from one place to the other or from one city to the other or probably from one country to the other. And it can be, it can be very good, you know, it can, be, it can be rewarding. Also, it can be extremely traumatic. And I'll just share, before anybody comes, I'll just share one that happened. Um, during one of, our, one of our moves, our last daughter was born while we were living in that particular part of the world. And she, she, we were there for about a year and a half to two, and then she was born. She was like two when we left, so probably about four years old. And um, so a four-year-old probably felt that we travel often, which was usual. You, you travel and you come back. And we were leaving finally from that place, and we got to the airport, and she realized that the maid that we had um, wasn't coming with us when we crossed immigration. And she screamed and yelled and was screaming and saying, no, we're going together, and was screaming. And it was very traumatic for her, but that was not the end of the story. So we got to Lagos, checked into an hotel, and that night, and she said, no, I'm going home. I'm not sleeping here. This is not my house. I'm going home. So we had to get her to wear her shoes. We said, okay, wear your shoes, get ready. So we dressed her up again as if we were going to be traveling, and that was the only way she slept. So for, for, for days and weeks, she, was, she didn't want, just want to settle down. She just said, I'm going back home. So for her, that change was, I mean, it was difficult. And there's so many like that with the children and even with us as, as parents. So tonight, can you share what experience have you gone through that was a significant change and um, you want to share? Please, you raise up your hand so that I can see or the ushers can see you. Okay. Two, two, Okay. Please give them the mic. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, so mine was um, my first pregnancy when um, I gave birth to um, Ini, our first son. And I'd expected that as soon as um, the baby is born, my um, Tommy, everything would just go back flat and... Of course, after having him, and then the following day, I was still in the hospital, and I looked at myself in the mirror, and it looked as though there was still a baby in the tummy. I just started crying. I didn't like what I looked like. My neck was black. My face was puffy. My tummy was so big. as though there were one or two more babies in the tummy. You know, because before then, I'd heard about postpartum depression. I'm like, uh-uh. After having a baby that you have been trusting God for, you will now be depressed. Lie, lie, nothing like that. But at that point, that was just going to set in. But I thank God that I, God, the Holy Spirit did not allow the pressure to set in. And I made up my mind I was going to work on it. Amen. Thank you. That's a good one. We can clap. Thank you. Can I share one more? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, that one was a negative. Anyway, positive one. Okay, the second one was um, during one of our... Um, cross-posting experiences when um, we had um, several, several staff at our um, beck and call and um, you know, before you get to the door of the car, they would open the door of the car, collect your bags, collect everything from you. And I'm like, oh wow, this is really a very good and interesting change. But you know, when we're going to come back to Nigeria, I had to start talking to myself. I mean, you better learn how to start um, opening the card all by yourself because when you get to Nigeria, nobody will do that for you. Amen. Thank you very much, Pastor Lambs. Anybody else? 
I'm going to call names. At least I need one or two more. All right, go ahead. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So my own experience is um, happened about two years ago when my husband had to leave and I had to stay alone with the girls. When my husband was around, I really didn't used to think about how much I earned. I wasn't, I didn't know. I just know that at the end of the month, I get something. I didn't know how I spent it. But then when he left, it changed because after then I knew how I spent every penny of what I got. And it was a significant change. I'm thankful to God for it because I don't think what I was doing in the past was good. And I think that this experience has helped me and I've grown. But I think it was a really great time of my life. I was just really like that. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing. Please, can we clap for her? Yes, let's clap for God. All right, if there's nobody else, we're going to proceed. Now, we, we call it new skin. Is anybody raising up their hands? We call it new wine and new skin. And the reason was, I didn't, we didn't want to call it a change particularly, because change is, um, with a lot of sense of apology, that's one, of the, that's one word that has been abused the most, not only locally but internationally. So people talk about change agent and all that, but that's not... So we're focused on a particular area of our lives, particularly in GFH, so that's why we, we call it new, new, new wine and new skin. So let's read our Bible passage, Luke 5, 33 to 37. If you can pull it up, thank you. One day, some people said to Jesus, John, the Baptist's disciples, fast and pray regularly, and so did this disciple of the Pharisees. Why are, you dis- why are you, are your disciples always eating and drinking? Jesus responded, do wedding guests fast while, the cel- while celebrating with the groom? Of course not, but someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment will be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskin. For the new wine will burst the wineskins, spilling the wine, running the skin, ruining the skin. Praise the Lord. So, if you, during this period, um, the, the Pharisees, they hated Jesus so much. And so, I mean, you, you think, you might say, well, you, you can't really blame them if you, if you go through it, if you think through it. They hated, hated him so much because somebody had just come and the things they've done for hundreds of years, for 400, I mean, probably 400 plus years, th- this young man came. I want, to, I want to change everything. I want to turn it around. So they couldn't stand him. And he was giving them an illustration that, well, that was the old, this cannot be new. And talking about a new skin and um, a new wine and new skin. Those days, what happened was that wines are fermented in the skin of animal, preferably goat. So the skins are taken away, they are dried, and then they put um, wine into them. And when they put the wine into, them, in, into, into, the, into the skin, they let it ferment for about two to four weeks. And for, for, for students of uh, sciences, fermentation produces gas, mostly carbon dioxide, depending on what you are fermenting. A carbon dioxide is very acidic, so it attacks the skin, and the skin expands to its limit during that period. So you get a great wine. So if you take the wine out and you bring in a new wine, you know, you want to ferment a new wine in that same skin, because the skin has reached its elastic limit. What's going to happen? It's going to burst. So the tradition was once you use that skin, you don't use it again for a new wine. You can put an old wine into it, but you can't put a new wine into it because it's going to, it's going to burst away. Um, if you put up my first slide, these are modern day skin, but... You know, it probably gives you an inspiration of what we're talking about. So that's the way they are sewn. But in the olden days, they are not neatly done like this. These are modern day ones. So that's what a wine skin, you know, looks like. And you cannot use an old one for a new wine. Absolutely. Otherwise, you destroy the skin and you destroy the wine. So Jesus used that, used that illustration so that those folks would understand that, look, this is a new era. God has brought something new. So we cannot continue to live in the days of old. Things have changed. You have to adapt to the situation. But the Pharisees were so upset that they couldn't stand him. And, you know, they hated him so much that, you know, it was unbelievable. And if you go through the Bible, if you go through the Bible, just, just think through this part of the Bible. 
when God wants to bless people or he wants to do something, he's, I mean, the Bible says that he's, oh, he's doing, I'm doing a new thing, can't you see it? He's always doing something new. So there's always a change required. For example, he told Abraham to leave and go to another place. Same with Lot, pack your stuff and go to this place. So displacement, you know, changing. When God wants to bless people, he makes them to, to either leave or change their lifestyle. So constantly through the experience of the Bible, through the story of the Bible, there's always we are meant to, to, be, to be the change agent for ourselves. And what does that mean? What it means that, when, I mean, there are examples where God will just make pronouncement. God told Jesus, um, Joseph, you are going to be, your brothers are going to bow for, to you and all that. He made that pronouncement, right? He, he, he just told him and he knew. That was, a, that was a word of prophecy that went straight to Joseph himself. But in the case of David, David was just in the farm. He wasn't doing nothing. I mean, he was doing his work. He wasn't talk, talking about, thinking about taking over the throne. And Samuel said, you should go and bring him. So if you look at those, for example, just those two people, I'm talking of individuals now, and where God just spoke, and the rest of these things were left for them. Joseph went through tremendous change, tremendous training that before he got to the, he got to the palace. The same thing with um, David. I mean, David was, was, was tough. There was a time he was running away. You know, he was in the field. He was, he was chased out of town and all that. So, but he went through a tremendous change. Can you imagine that if David was taken from the field as a shepherd and they just put him on the throne? So, as human beings... Before we make our progress, before we make an advancement, before we have a new progress in our life, definitely there has to be change. There are changes that have to take place. So tonight, that's why we didn't call it change. We're going to focus it particularly on us as members of GFH and the word of the Lord that has come forth from January to now. You know, during the beginning of, of the year, the Lord says new streams. New streams of wealth, new streams from promotion, new streams from, you know, new streams. That's what the Lord says, right? So, he has made this pronouncement. And the Bible says it's not a man that he should lie. So, he has spoken the word will not go back to him. He has stretched out his hand, nobody can annul. So, therefore, what is left is us to ensure that we put ourselves in a place where those things are going to be manifested in our life. So, that's why we didn't call it change. We're focusing it on the prophecies that come forth in GFH from the beginning of the year, and how can I put myself, what are the changes that is required in me to ensure that this thing has been set forth and I'm going to be a part of it. We're told that our ashes will be given, will be taken away and we'll get beauty. You know, that's a change as well. But on our part, something is required. We're supposed to do something to, be benef- to benefit that. Look at turning points. Thank God for all this testimony. Let's give an applause to God. Testimony has been coming, you know. But in, in the literary meaning, if you think about turning point, what does it mean? You, you turn around. You make a change from something. Definitely. You cannot continue in the same way that you are going. So for all those, all those, all those um, I mean, um, prophecies and word of God, there are people, not there are people, there are a lot of people that have benefited from it. I've shared my experience here. I've been sharing the daily in this year uh, as a testimony, you know, from, 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 the, from the word of prophecy that came from talking about medals. And they said, so, so there's a lot of people that benefited, but there's still people that one way or the other, they're probably looking and say, okay, why is my different? What, why hasn't it come? So we, but most times we need to put ourselves in a position where that's, that's what has been said will come to us. It was, I mean, Joseph was told directly by himself. And some of us must have had dreams, but have had revelation. Or, in the case of David, he was told by somebody else. So, and it came to pass. So, what we are we going to do to ensure that this year does not go past without being in that, in that situation? So, that's what we're talking about tonight. And um, if you don't mind, can you pull up my slide number two? I want to start with this one, which is a clip of a video. See, ma'am, I need your help. Slide number two. And now, the eternal one, some are held captive and poor. Release them. Say amen. amen. Restore our fortune. As the dry riverbeds of the south spring to life when rains come at last. Your rain has come at last. Yeah. You see, you, you, many times we are, we are like, God, here I am, here I am. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, go 
and start getting ready because of the abundance of rain that is coming into your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. That's not different from, except that this is in a positive way, from the same way God spoke to Noah and said, go and prepare an ark. It hasn't rained in that place for a long time. Exactly the same way. So God has spoken. Go and, you know, it's going to rain. So what are you supposed to do? That means blessings is coming. You need to get ready for it. And that's what, that's what we're doing specifically. We're not talking about change. If you're going to talk about change, you can spend 10 hours to talk about change. You know, there are changes in I mean, So that's what we're talking about. What? You can cut to the change, but what? Where am I going to put myself? So that all these things that have been said by the word of the Lord that will come past to me. It becomes an individual thing. It's a, it's a church thing. It's a corporate thing. God has spoken, but now it comes to, it comes to you know, an individual thing. And I'd like, to, and I'd like to, to share something. That's why I said it, becomes, it comes to an individual thing. Even people that are in the world understand that for them to benefit largely from things of the corporate, it has to start with them. Put up my slide number three. A Chinese general wrote this. Slide number three. That's the, that's the third slide. That's, I mean, it's the second slide apart from this one. The next one. Okay, so what the guy was saying is that, um, before CMM brings it up, he said that if we're going to change the world, I need to start from my country. If I'm going to change my country, I need to start from my household. Yeah, this is what he says. If he, he says, if the world is going to be brought to order, my nation must first be changed. If my nation is to be changed, my home must, must be made over. If my home is to be made over, reordered, my family must be set aright. If my family is to be regenerated, I myself must be the first one. So it has to start with you. God has spoken. It is now on your part. So that's, that, that's, just, that's, that, that's the framework of what we're talking about tonight. Now, I don't need to, to ask this question because just about why is change needed? We explain it because the Bible has change is needed because God... Because God, sa- God said we can and we must. Let's read John 3 3. John 3 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Look at that. That's the biggest change of all time. So God is saying, for even to, to see the kingdom of God, which is the most important thing, there has to be a change. You have to be a Christian. Imagine Him telling those people that have been doing all they want for the past hundreds of years. I mean, that's why they'll just say, what's this guy talking about? But that's the reality of our time. When, when, the, when the Lord speaks, we need to put ourselves in a position where, please bring up the next scripture, Ecclesiastes 3, 1, and then followed by 12, 2 of um, Romans. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, meaning that things don't remain the same. The time you plant plantain is different from the time you plant corn. It's a continue. You, you just have to adapt to the situation. You have to make a change. Next one, NLT, um, Romans 12:2. Don't copy the behavior and custom of this world, but let good transformation. You let God transform transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's wills for you, which is good, and pleasing and perfect. So, meaning that. Your, even our ways on daily basis have to continue to be, to, to, to be changed. And this is God speaking. So, so this is why we need to change. Change is needed. So we talk about why we need to change and change is needed. So we're going to go interactive again. As human beings, why, do we, why are we so resistant to change? Can, can we talk about that? You know, I want us to share. Anybody? You don't, so if you don't talk, I'll call you. I know... We are all friends and families. You know, why, why as human beings, why do, we, why do we resist change? Anybody? Before I start calling name. Okay, thank you, ma'am. Praise God. Okay, we take... He, where's he, the second person? Okay, we take that person. Go ahead, ma'am. Yeah, human beings resist change because sometimes they are comfortable with where they are. And to now take them from that, their comfort zone to another place is very difficult. Praise God. Thank you. Comfort zone. What does pastor say? Miracles don't happen, or miracle happens outside your comfort zone. And that's true. It's what you are. You, know, you, are, you are extremely comfortable where you are. Why, why, why make a change? 
Why, 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 I mean, why disturb something that is flowing? It's state of, it's, I mean, it's, it's equilibrium. It's, everything is working. So why do you have to make a change? It's comfort zone. But miracles doesn't happen within our comfort zone. Where's the second person, please? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I believe that people resist change because of the fear of the unknown. Hmm. Fear of the unknown. Did you see my note? <laughs> Please let's clap for her. Fear of the unknown. People resist change because of the fear of the unknown. Now, the first one is safety zone, which is comfort, which is comfort zone that we talk about. And you know, the first one is familiarity. We're used to what we're having. I just have three, but it can be categorized into two, really. Comfort zone. And so the first one you'll notice familiarity. And the second one is fear of unknown, which my sister talked about. And the um, the second one is safety zone, and the third one, sorry, is fear of the unknown. They'll bring it up. But let me ask a question. I'm sure a lot of us are Bible scholars, and we will know. How many times in the Bible does the word fear not uh, appear? How many times? Okay, so a lot of those, 365 times. Now, let me ask a question. Pastor talks about how the manuscripts of the Bible were put together. Now, when the manuscript was being put together, this is not the kind of calendar year that we are using. 100%. During the period when the manuscript, when the Bibles were being compiled and put together, the calendar system and the number of days in the year that we have now was not what we have at that time. What does that tell you? God knew this day was coming. He that sees the things from the beginning sees the end. So God knew that we're going to have 365 days and we're going to have one for each day. It's not a coincidence. He who that knows the end from the beginning has seen it. He's giving us one for each day. Hallelujah. And guess what? You know, you can go through it and you realize that it's one for each day. Genesis 43, 23, fear not. Exodus 20, 20, fear not. Numbers 21, 34, fear not. Isaiah 49, fear not. Deuteronomy 8.1, fear not. Deuteronomy 10.8, fear not. Psalm 27 verse 1, fear not. Psalm 27 verse 3, fear not. Luke 2.5, fear not. Luke 2.10, fear not. Revelation 2.10, fear not. So you have enough for the year. So why, why, are, we, why, why are we afraid? You know, as, as, why, why are we afraid? So, uh, in that note, I said, fear not appears in the Bible 365 times. And that's, I mean, that, that, has been, that has been covered. And also, the, the, the note says, the truth is we must learn to trust God completely in spite of our fear. You know, we must, compl- we must completely trust God completely in, in spite of our, of our fear. Let's read, um, okay, well, I mean, those Bible passages, and you can just Google it, I know that you see all the fear not. So, the, two re- the main reason why we're scared is, is, is the fear. But now, if God has spoken, and the one that can see ahead of you, then why worry? That's the question. Why are we worried? But as human beings, we, you know, that's, that's just, our, just our nature. So, the next thing we're going to go into is enablers. And when I mean enablers... By the way, I didn't say this at the beginning, so I'll say it now. What we're doing tonight is to looking at what can we change to ensure that we partake in the, in, in the prophecy that's comfort. And, how, and you know, what are the processes of, we can copy examples from the Bible and from the current world. But on how, it's not going to be here. Because the hows are in all the teachings, and you see as you go along. If you look at this, the, the, the teaching on um, simple things, big difference. Oh, so the how is not going to be here, but it's to bring it to our attention that we need to do this. So tonight we're going to look. I mean, we're looking at why and and processes, you know, as in examples. But on how, that's not what we're talking about tonight. But we will just we'll just give some highlights. So the first one on enablers. 
the person that has made the biggest change of all time and will continue to make the biggest change of all time, go and Google it, and the scientists and all those people they can deny it, is our Lord Jesus Christ. And he has to be our first example. That's the person that has made the biggest change and has, you know, has, has initiated the biggest change and is carrying out the biggest change of all time. It's our Lord Jesus Christ. So he has to be our example. So Jesus prayed and relied on the Holy Spirit for every change. Luke five fifteen to 16. Yet the news about him spread all, all, all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, the world was going through a tremendous change. Just as I said, Pharisees hated him and all that. And, but his followership was increasing. You know, things were getting better for him. If it was nowadays, and you are a, let's say, you are a public speaker, or you are a, um, what do you call them now? I mean, coach, I mean, life coach and all that. And your, your number of people is, is going on. You know what's going to be happening? Selfie, Twitter, what are the other ones? Instagram. That's what we're going to do. But that's not what Jesus did. Even at the point that the things begin to increase, he, 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 he was always going to the Father. For two reasons. To continue to get the grace and also, I mean, obviously for protection. So Jesus, who's our biggest example, at the point where, the, I mean, you can see, they said more crowds were coming and all that. All he did was he, he, went, he went to pray. In. The second Bible portion we're going to read um, okay, so on the next one, say prayer and reliance on Holy Spirit is mandatory for every change that we desire. Prayer and Holy Spirit is mandatory for every change. The second thing is focus. Jesus made declarative statement of his purpose, processes, and motives to all that will listen. You know, every time he, he was focused on the kingdom. And that's, that's, where it sh- that, that's where it's focused. So if you're going to make a change, you have to be totally, totally focused on that change. You have to, you have to, you have to assume, uh, not assume, you have to take a position and say, no alternatives. I don't have a choice. i got to do this. And that's what Jesus did. John 14, no, John 6, 38. Okay, here we go. 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So, he's, I mean, it's total focus. Every time you say, my father is in me, I'm in my father, 100% focus. So, if you're going to change something or you're going through a process of change, your focus has to be 100%. You can't look back. And that's what children of Israel were doing. I mean, we all know the story. That 40 days turned into 40 years. I mean, why can't we just go back to Egypt? At least we can eat in Egypt. We can't do that. It has to be 100% focus. John... Jesus emphasized that trust and obedience to God in producing long-lasting change. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. It's, it's the will of God. It's the focus on God. You know, it's, it's what God wants that is on that change you are making. It's what does God want. You know, if God says new stream of wealth for you, the question is, what does God want you to do with that wealth? About 20 years ago, there was a movie in the U.S. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't have seen it. I mean, I just happen to be privileged to be part of it. Probably it was a fiction, but it was so interesting. This, this man died. He had $300 million and left it for his nephew. He left the money for, I mean, short movie, but a lot of scenes. He left the money for his nephew. The nephew didn't know that he left the money for him. And when they told the nephew that he left, so when they, wrote the will, when they read the will and they said the money was left for him. The instruction was that before you get this 300 million, they will give you 30 million. And you will spend that 30 million in 30 days, but you cannot buy asset and you cannot invest it. That was, that was the test. 30 million in 30 days, you can't buy assets, you can't invest it. Do whatever you want with it. What the man was looking for is somebody who has passion for other people, who cares for other people. That's what he was looking for in his nephew. So here we are. If God has spoken to you a new wealth of stream, what are you going to do with the money? That's the question. Because God can see the beginning, can see the end from the beginning. So what are you going to do with it? 
So you have, you have to, if you don't, if you don't tell all your mind and your change to the will of God, then it might never come. Because God that is blessing you has a reason. I mean, this word is going to go away. He wants you to do his will. Yeah, you enjoy it, but he wants you to do his will. Praise the Lord. Jesus knew that effective change can only come as a result of doing the will of God. We talk about that. Effective change only comes by trust and obedience in God and, and through doing his will. That's the, first, that's the only way. You have to be obedient, you have to trust in him, and he has to be through his will. Those are the only way that, you know, the, the change, I mean, that God has spoken this year that can, you know, can be beneficiary to an individual, you and I. So the second one we talk about is focus. The third one we're going to talk about is time of transformation. You know, um, when pastor said this a lot of time, that God will speak, for example, that you have, you have um, children, it will take, I mean, if you, are, if you are looking for fruit of the womb, no matter what, principle is take nine months before you give birth. So there's always a period of, you know, gestation. There's a period of, a period of um, preparation. So here I call it a time of transformation. And one of our biggest examples is David. You know, if you read the story of David, David was anointed three times before he finally became king. And it took almost 14 years, 15 years, before he became, became the king. We talked about it early in the beginning that, I mean, he was running from, I mean, all kinds of things happened to him. But he kept his focus. And we can read them. He was anointed three times. And those three, I mean, the anointing, the first one was that he was anointed by God. You can call it God's anointment for appointment, which is um, Samuel. And then, because he was from Judah, you know, the, the elders of Judah anointed him again, probably about seven years later. So he was, he was ruling over Judah, but Israel was out. Just a section, um, a section of it, um, Judah. So those were his transformation period. And now look, when, when, when David was anointed, just imagine it, if it was nowadays, and they, they call you as the last born, and you are anointed, then you are going to be king. Apart from the selfie, the Instagram, the Facebook, you'll be telling your, your elder ones, you better be nice to me when I become king. Your eye will see your back, you know. You can't say that in the Bible. David never did that. Even when he was going to go fight Goliath, and his brother was, you know, was talking, talking down on him, he didn't respond with arrogance or annoyance. It responds with the name of the Lord. Those were his preparatory period. What do we do during our preparative period? God said rain is coming. Blessing is coming. What are we going to do with that blessing when it comes? What are we going to do during our preparative period? David is a classical example. Let's read those Bible passages so that folks will know. First Samuel 16, 13. Um, 2 Samuel 2, 4. And 2 Samuel 5, 3. So one after the other. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, in the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And Samuel went to Ramah. Second one. Second Samuel 2 to 4. That one was the first appointment. Anointment by appointment by God. Because God was not the same Samuel. The second one. Then the men of Judah came to Hebron. And, they, and there they anointed David over the tribe of Judah. When David was told that it was the men of Jabesh Gilead who had buried Saul. I mean, it's the first, uh, what's it called? And then the last one. So this was when, the one we just read was when the elders of Judah anointed him. Second one. So he became king over Judah. But a lot part of Israel was still missing. But he was patient. He kept on doing what he was supposed to be doing. So the blessings were come little by little. And the transformation process, he passed it. The last one. When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a covenant with them at Hebron, Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. Of course, they were worried that maybe he was going to kill them or he was going to treat them badly. So, that's, that's, so it took that almost 15 years for David to be king over Israel, to be king after his first uh, being anointed. And God has, I mean, I would say after the first of being told by God that you're going to be king, that was how long ago. That was gestation period. So we need to go read that story and what were his, what were his, what were his characters during that period. 
the other person we need to look at is Sam, is Samuel. You know, um, I say Samuel, um, Joseph. Joseph, we know the story of Joseph. I know you, I mean, we went, I mean, we've gone through it over and over again. Pastor has taught a lot about it. But Joseph did what some of us will have done nowadays, you know, without selfie. He told all his brothers that I'm going to be king. Over, I'm, I see you bowing down for me and all that. And of course, they helped him into slavery. But while he was there, you can imagine being in, being in prison and they now brought you out and then somebody says that if you don't do this, um, and I, I mean, the, where they kept you that you have to sleep with me and all that. But he kept his focus. His focus was on God because his time was coming. He kept his focus. Let's just read quickly what David did. A summary of what David did. Psalm 105 verse 19. Until the time came to fulfill his dream, the Lord tested Joseph's character. So his character was tested throughout the period. Peradventure, and most likely, if he had failed the test, he wouldn't have been prime, I mean, prime minister. If he had failed the test. So, so we, need to, we need to be thinking about ourselves of what am I doing? Where am I placing myself? All this world that has come forth, how am I going to benefit from it? Praise the Lord. And if, that's the, um, the third thing that we, we talk about, which is transformation. The next thing we're going to talk about, we're going to look at, we've looked at Jesus, we've looked at people in the Bible, we're going to look at people in the present day world. We're not present day world, but not too far apart. And some people in the Bible, all or nothing commitment. You know, generally as human beings, we, we, we like to make commitment, but we leave ourselves room where you can bolt out. That's normal. I mean, the kind of business I do, we do what we call backup to backup. That if this fails, this is what we're going to do next. If this fails, this is what we're going to do next. That's the reality of human. You know, you, you put yourself in safety net. But when you're dealing with God, safety net is not acceptable. It's not allowed. It's all or nothing. Is it that me or nothing? You shall have no other God but me. So he's saying that in every situation, it has to be me. Let's read Daniel 3. 16 to 18. We know the story very well. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your God, or worship the image of God that you have set up. This is all or nothing. They're saying that if God is able to, 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 to keep us, but if he doesn't, so be it. We are all for him. They, they didn't have any safety nets. It's either God saves them, or they die. But guess what? Every man in the Bible that puts up that position, God saves them. Everyone. Daniel did exactly the same thing. Let's read that. Let's read, let, I mean, let's read the, the next um, Bible passage. 6, 19 to 21. That's, this is Daniel. At the first lights of the dawn, the king got up and hurried into the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the God, has God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, may the king live forever Okay. Well, it continues. Bottom line, Daniel came alive, alive. Came out alive. We know the story. So for everyone, so if you are going to, if you are going to make a change in commitment to God, it has to be total. It has to be all or nothing. You cannot have a safety net. With God, there's no safety net. It's either you are in or you are out. You can't come to church on Saturday and Sunday, and then on Friday, you're going to go to see one imam, or you're going to go see one holy somewhere. It doesn't work. Or you're going to go see when your grandmother is going to give you something to drink. No. It is all or nothing. It's that you are in or you are out. Praise the Lord. So it's all or nothing. I'll, I'll, I'll bring something up. And um, by the absolute grace of God, once, once I hear about something and I'm interested, I do a lot of work on it. I do a lot of research. I, I go to find out what the story about. Generally, uh, in, in, in North America, they talk about some universities are special and all that. Having a child that is you know, going to the university and all that, 
So I, I, I decided to do the research. One of the things I came, came across is my slide number four. Um, if you can pull it up. And you will see all or nothing behavior. This was just less than, actually about 200 years ago. Please, slide number four, if you can pull it up. Just 200 years ago. So we've been talking about, you know, several thousands of years ago, which is, um, you know, the, the days of the Bible. But this, is what, this was recent. So all, this, all those special universities in the U.S. were actually founded based on the Anglican in, um, missionaries that left England to go to the U.S. So and now I begin to realize that why those universities are so special. They call them Ivy Leagues and all that. But they were founded, you know, when missionaries went there and they begin to teach people how to study and all that. They left from England. Can you bring up the slide number four, please? See, man. No, slide number four on my PowerPoint. On my PowerPoint, I want to read it. I, I, I know what it says. Okay, I'll read it from my, from my um, but I just want, if it's being read, they would understand. You have a PowerPoint from me, the, the fourth one. It will be the third one because the second one is the video. So it will be the third one on the PowerPoint. That's what I want projected. Anyway, please, um, re, re, listen, I'll read it from my, from my notes. So it says, consider the account of the Salvation Army sending out officers in 1860. 200 years ago, 1860, not too long, not, I mean, not too long a time, to become missionaries in America just before, just before the departure, before they left England. These are missionaries. They're going to do the work of God, right? Is that correct? And one of the officers prayed for them, saying, that's one of the, one of the officers that is behind, so we can read it together now. One of the officers prayed for them, saying, Lord, these leaders are going to America to preach the gospel. If they are fully given up to thee, be with them. Bless them. Grant them success. But if they are not faithful, drown them, Lord. Drown them, Lord. These are Christians. Can you imagine if pastor says some of us should go somewhere to be, <laughs> to be missionaries? <laughs> and he prays like this. Twitter will go agog. <laughs> right? But this is Commitment. This is saying, no going back. I'm only going to go there to do the work of the Lord. No going back. And you can see the fruit of their labor. All those universities were founded. The foundation was based on God. That's why they are the best, the biggest, and the richest in the world to today. So this is total commitment, unwavering. So you've taken, it's like taking an oath. Say, if I depart, this is what will happen. That's what the guy was saying. So when we, when we make our change, that's where we need to be. To say, you know what? It is all but nothing. Praise the Lord. So also, you can bring up the next slide. Um, just, I just want them to see the name and they can go um, and Google it. So um, I read history, especially since Pastor talked about warfare and all that victory series. I read a lot of history. So there's a gentleman called Hanan Cortis. And also, they taught, they taught it in the leadership school. So, in 1500, 1519, so that's about 400 years ago. You, you won't say it's too long ago compared to the biblical era. So, this gentleman, you can take it away, but if you can take the name and Google it, it's Hanan Cortis. This gentleman was leading an army to go and invade Mexico. They taught it in leadership school. And um, they left Spain. They, got to the, they, they came by boat. They got to the shore of Mexico. And guess what this guy did, this captain? All the people came down. They're going to go into Mexico. You want to go and, you want to go and invade the land, right? You're going to get resistance. Is that correct? You know what this guy did? He, put, he set fire on all the boats that they brought. He set them on fire. So what is this telling his soldiers? <laughs> There's no going back. There's no going back. So is that we win or we die? So if people can do this based on their own, excuse me, permanent will without God's instruction, so why can't we follow the one that was the, 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 the Lord of Lords, the captain of our life, the God of Abraham and Jacob, the host of heaven, the one that owns our life, gives us an instruction. Why can't we give a total commitment? This are ordinary being, risking their life for something that has nothing. So why can't we as individual, you know, take charge and 
and, 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 and fully without, you know, without going back. So that's, that's, that's the story of this. So commitment without option is the demonstration of confidence and trust in, in God. So the next thing we're going to go to, and I'm going to run through this quickly because our time is fast spent. So, and I said, we're not going to teach us on how. We're only going to list some things that you can consider that you need to change. And the focus is on me so that I can be a beneficiary of the words of the Lord that has come for this year. And the first one I put there is habits. And my, my, my comment to you is that go and listen to small things, big difference. You know, your, your thoughts comes into your decision, becomes your habit, becomes your character. But your habits, you know, our habit determines how far we go. What do you spend your time on? You know? So, um, we can read the Bible. The scriptures, I'll just, go, I'll just leave them. The one I would like to read is uh, Psalm 119.56. That's the second one. Yeah. This is how I spend my life, obeying your commandments. David was saying, my habit is to obey God. What is our own habits? And under those habits, as I said, I'm not going to, you know, we, we have a lot of teaching. Just take the small, uh, small things, big difference. Go, go, go and take it. And, and, and go through it over and again. It will help you. But our habits determines our life. You know? And sub bullet under habits, I put it into three. Our thoughts. The Bible says, you know, things of this thing, things that are good, that are pure, and all that. Three things under habits. Our thoughts, the way we spend our time, and the third one is our money. Those three things shape your life. Your habits relating to your money, your thoughts, and your time. What do you spend your time on? On the money part is in your outline. I think it's about the second or the third tribe that we had two and a half, three years ago. And it's thinking critically about finance. So that's why I said, we're not going to teach how. I'm just pointing out the things that shapes our life and that shapes our condition. So our thoughts, I'm not going to read all the bad passage. You can read it when you get home. And one of them says, but Jesus, Luke 15, 16, 5, 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and pray. That was what Jesus was doing with his time. If you pick up the time, yeah. That's what Jesus, most time Jesus was praying. What are we doing in that time? So thoughts, time, and money. The way we have a habitual way of those three things shapes our life. Then the second thing after thoughts is relationships. And it's in two categories. What is our relationship with God? And what's our relationship with other people? What's our relationship with God? What's our relationship with people? The Bible passages are there. I'm not going to read it. And under people, do you have an accountability part? The reason I'm running through this, I left it at the back because we're not, I'm not here to tell you how. Because we have enough series of teaching on our podcast on, on, on how. So, but your relationship with God and people shapes, I mean, shapes your life. So, we talk about to, uh, habits and thoughts. And those two things determine your capacity. It determines if you are going to grow or not. It determines your growth. Your habits, your relationship, those two things determines if you are going to grow or not. And God wants us to continue to grow. And all these things that God has said, the increases is about growth. So the way to go through those things, as I said, we are not talking about, I'm not telling you how. Go to, go to, the, go to our, our, our website, too many. You will learn on how. But these are the focus things that you need to, you need to focus on. Becoming um, Recording said, becoming like Christ is a long, slow process of, of growth. And capacity develop, development, growth. Let me tell you something. I'll shock you tonight. Nothing in this world, and I mean nothing, remains the same. It's either he's dying or he's growing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Let me tell you something. Um, I was reading a lot about war, and it concerns me, you know, especially when there was a black hawk down in Somalia. And a lot of young people died. So I, I bought the book. I read the book. But what I found out that bothers me was most of those rangers, the elite rangers of the United States Army, they are between 18 and 19. They are special forces. They are elite. They go in, like when they want to take somebody out, like when they took Osama. The same thing. 
um, um, General Aldid, he was the one that started the war and all that. When they wanted to take him out, those are the people they sent. Special, I mean, they, they call them rangers. You can read about them. But most of them are between 18 and 19, and they lose their lives. And I was wondering why. But what I found out was, by the age of 19, between 19 and 21, it varies for individual. That is when a person has the most troubleshooting mind. That's when your brain picks on troubleshooting, ability to troubleshoot. And at 25 is when you peak physically. You peak physically, you peak. From 25, the physical body begins to decrease. At 28, your brain power is at the peak. At 28, totally at the peak. Troubleshooting is at 28, but you need to develop brain power. At 28, totally. Physical power is at 30. Your physical power, as in energy, is at 30. After that, decrease. Average people. So nothing remains the same. So if you are not growing in something, then it's dying. So God has said this, yeah, all those things are about growth. You know, new stream of this, new from that, it increases. But what do we need to do to be able to increase? Please bring up my slide number seven, which is um, MLK. Slide number seven, the last one about MLK, about growth. Do we have it? Anyway, what Matthew King was talking about was um, he was saying that if you, are, if you can run, run more. If you can walk, walk more. If you can crawl, crawl more. But at every time, ensure that you are growing. You are making progress. Yeah. If you can run, if you can fly, then if you can fly, fly. If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. And God has made, has made prophecies this year that we're going to move forward. So praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.